Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Are you ready for the news with the sign of Bell Pepper? Huh? Seriously, what the f are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's sweetheart. With America's sweetheart. Oh my God! The Queen the of Glendale. Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Okay, welcome back to Trend Lightly, everyone. I am, as I was just announced, Molly Maglier with me today. Again, is Tiffany Maddox. Hey, girl. Hi. Hi. How long is that new intro? Just FYI. I just want to know, like, how long does it run for? So, okay, just to explain real quickly, I don't have, I didn't have permission to use our old theme song anymore. And so I had to get a new theme song, but the original guy I ordered from, something went wrong in the family. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? It could That could be anything. But something went wrong in the family, and he couldn't get me the theme song, so I had to get something in 24 hours, and the best I could find that I thought <laughs> would be enjoyable <laughs> was this radio clip. It's 32 seconds long to answer your question. <laughs> I, I only ask because it is, um, I mean, it's fabulous, obviously. It's fabulous. It's flawless. We're not going to pick holes in it. But it does feel like it's about a week long. And it I know. It's- <laughs> I know. Well, he, so here's the thing. I told the guy to have as much fun as he wanted. I was like, I want this to be ridiculous. Like, I love to just like, you know, put a hat on something. I love to just like make everyone you know, if I'm if I have a situation, I'm not going to put some canned music because that's just boring. I don't want people to think I fell off. Mm-mm. So we got to go crazy with it. And I said, please, I said, do this like you would if this was like a drive time radio host that's been on the air for like 30 years in like the second biggest city. In he a nailed state. it. He nailed it. Go, I said, be as silly as you want with the sound effects. The only I requested to, I did want KFC saying that he ruined his marriage and his family. He did not pull that clip for me. I would not have put the Will Ferrell in because I feel Will Ferrell's overused. But you know what? Sometimes things come back around again. And I feel like that's you may be starting a brand new trend of like, reviving Will Ferrell usage and then also reviving the deeply 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 cheesy radio jingle like there's something sort of beautifully nostalgic about it right I thank you so much so yeah he did include the one thing I I requested up front which was the home improvement noise Tim Mm -hmm. Allen's noise and I love that you sent that to me without any context. And I, <laughs> I think I received it because obviously we're in wildly different time zones. I think I probably received, like, received that at like 11 o'clock at night without any context around it. And it was just, Aah! and I was like, okay. No, yeah. like, I do feel bad because I do treat your text message like a, 
like a Dropbox of some sort where I'm just like, oh, I'm sending this, like, I don't know what time it is or whatever, but I'm sure like she takes precautions before she goes to sleep. Tiffany knows to put it on silent, right? I do. I do. I have a sleep mode. It kicks in at a certain point. Like never worry about that. Like I always want to be able to wake up to something. So like, don't ever feel that you can't send me a stream of consciousness. Right. And also like, you know, sometimes I do, I like a little chaos in my life and I'll leave it on on purpose because I hope someone texts me something like that at three (laughs) o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. I do have certain friends that I have, um, I have threads going that are essentially the equivalent, like the digital equivalent of like a wishing hole or something where I just like throw something in and then never really explain it. And it could be any time of day, any time of night. I will say though, real quick, just on the on the radio guy, he gave me an extra fifteen seconds free. Oh my god! Yeah, because I only paid for fifteen <laughs> seconds, and I think it was because I told him like just go crazy with it. I sent the original trend lightly theme, and I said you just have to match the energy of this or more. And right. he went. He went to crazy. He went to exactly the place I hoped he would, which was crazy town. It's a portfolio piece. That's probably why he had sort of the extra time for free because he was like, do you know what? You either do work for fame, fortune or fun. And this was probably the fun. Oh, for sure. And I did give him permission to tag Trend Lightly if he wants to upload it. He asked in his little fiber thing. He's like, can I please tag you on Instagram? What's your username? And um, if you guys see him, if you see us tagged, watch our tags because you might find the man himself. What do you think Um, he looks like? Do you know? Yeah, I kind of, well, I don't know. It would be advantageous for him to use a fake picture Mm -hmm. because like he has that sort of like um, middle of the road, like, hot brunette white guy thing where he's sort of like Wells from The Bachelor where it's like, oh, you're like a real cutie. You were definitely the cutest guy at your high school. Mm. But like, you know, probably wouldn't like be a standout actor, right? That's what I feel like most people imagine radio hosts looking like. Okay. Okay. Because with a voice like that, one would only assume that he was either like an averagely, you know, good looking brunette white guy or someone who was like very surprising, like would just look completely surprising from the voice. Like someone who was like very petite. I you I really don't want to see a lot of your favorite radio hosts. It's true. <laughs> yeah, he did have an option that in three days he could provide me with a female voice, which mm-hmm. I loved that it like takes, I don't know, maybe she's in-house, but she just doesn't, you know, she's not as quick as he is or she doesn't prioritize it the way he does are they like a husband wife team is this Mm. like a friend he has from his real radio days maybe he went to broadcasting college with her I don't know oh my god this goes all the way down I love it it's a mystery speaking of mysteries do we have any updates on our carousel mystery No, not yet. I haven't yet worked up the courage to be able to call, but we have been working on the cover story and I feel like when the time is right, I will do it. And I do think that the plan that I'm going to go for is that I'm going to call up Carousel pretending to be the PA of a very wealthy, mysterious British family that I'm planning their trip 
to you know to the Glendale area <laughs> well, we, I don't know if you want to give it all away because what if someone reaches out to carousel and just says like hey just so you know no British people are ca- like calling here oh I can do listen I could I could be Australian I've got that in my repertoire um, I've got South African I could I could bust that out don't worry about it I'm the woman of a thousand voices okay thank god and and of course you guys I am working on a fake Yelp page that I'm going to start building up over time and I will need friends on it so I'm going to post the Yelp page link in the description of the show where you can find all the links to all of our stories, plus some bonus links and a bunch of other stuff. I'm going to post, oh, Bell Pepperhead merch. Officially, I got Are You Obese t-shirts up in the merch store, solidlisten.store. That's also going to be linked in there. So technically, this is a technology podcast. It may not look or feel like it, but we do talk about you know, just things that are online, which I feel like is technology. This is more cut and dry though. So China banned reality talent shows, like the way that we have American Idol or the X Factor or whatever else. That's what a lot of these K-pop groups came out of. And that's where I think idol worship has really like taken a new, you know, even though it's Korean pop music, I feel like that's taken on a new form online don't you think? Mm. 100%. And you know what's really, so I, definitely of late in the, here in, I don't know, it would be, it would be classed as the West, I suppose, that I noticed that the our talent shows are sort of like pop idols, our X Factors, our, you know, whatever, seem to be on the decline generally. So it seems like it's going with like a kind of like the trend, the flow of the thing. But I didn't realize, and I don't know why I know this, I found myself on One Direction TikTok recently and I was too old to be a directioner but of course One Direction were formed on a, a British talent show I think it was The X Factor and I think one of the so, re- yeah I think there was like one of the things that was cited as the like the reason why One Direction kind of took off in such an extraordinary way because like other bands had like tried and failed really to have that level of like truly global international success like sort of homegrown British boy bands whatever is because like at the time of the like you know the X Factor house was when the boys joined Twitter and were like tweeting themselves for the first time so it's kind of like part of part of their sort of success was like the availability and the access to them via the fans in a way that like we now know and, and like understand and appreciate in a really like tangible way because of vloggers and superstar vloggers and all the rest of it but they're sort of seemingly and like they're lovely boys obviously they're all lovely boys but these sort of slightly unremarkable young men may not have become so uber duper famous were not for Twitter and I was like huh and then if you think about how Twitter now like is the place for stan culture and like fan cams and stuff it feels like we've come full circle for sure for sure yeah I was also too old for the one direction thing but it's so obvious that it had like this chokehold on society and also Tumblr was Mm around then and they were very big on tumblr from what i understand yeah that would make a lot of sense i think like it was probably the first time that for i've certainly in like i would say british culture where you as a person watching a show maybe maybe you're like 13 years old 
and you're a 13 year old girl and you're watching the X Factor on a Saturday night because you're rooting for dear sweet baby Harry or Zane or probably not Niall probably wasn't your favorite but one of them and then you could go on Twitter and you could like read their innermost thoughts and have theories and create content around it like what a like what a watershed moment yeah well they were also really affected by you know something I do to this day which is like ship culture, shipping culture mm. and that fan, like they that was a huge thing. There was a great piece, I believe on Reply All, where a man happened to have the same name as the brother of a girl that one of the guys in One Direction was seeing. I think it was Liam was seeing this girl and he was getting, you know, he just overnight was just his entire like Twitter life changed. Wow. And he found out through this that Liam was a part of a ship called Larry. Larry, of course, it was Larry. It was Larry. La- yeah. So it was, you know, I still see it got so deep and so sick that. Even I, as a person who never indulged in like reading that, you guys know. If you listen long enough, I'm not going to say it right now. I can't be bothered. But if you know, you know I have my... I'll, well, I'll probably say it in two stories from now, actually. But um, <laughs> now that I think of it. <laughs> but, you know, I have my own sort of... I have my own sort of fan fiction thing. I know the blue eyes thing that always comes up in the Larry fandom. Like, if I see that on my For You page, I know right away what it's a reference <laughs> to. Even as... Because it was so... It was so serious, and then it became so highly memed. And I think a lot of those girls then have a really good sense of humor about it now. I don't know if you know the meme about K-pop fans, but <laughs> it was a girl updating her Stan Twitter account. And she said... Hey guys, I know you haven't heard from me in a while. I started taking mood stabilizers and I'm not obsessed with BTS <laughs> oh, yeah. anymore. <laughs> it's it's very it I put that in the same bracket as like, sorry for the lack of Taylor Swift updates. I was in prison because I refused to join the IDF. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like crazy, right? I, I think that obviously uh, you know, this a little bit feeds into our next story, but uh things in China are a little bit different. They're also not just doing it because stan culture is very toxic. Of course, this, you know, has deep ties to homophobia. So they it's according to this article that is linked it's from The Guardian says China has banned some reality ta- talent shows and ordered broadcasters to not promote sissy men. And their latest attempts to reshape the culture of the country's huge entertainment industry that authorities believe is leading young Chinese people astray. They also had said uh, they don't want abnormal aesthetics such as sissy men, vulgar influencers, stars, inflated pay, and performers with lapsed morals. That's all my favorite things in a single sentence. I love to see men, vulgar influences, and lapsed morals. Sounds like a good time. Where do I go? abnormal aesthetics is like wow just put it out there you don't want any expression you don't want self-expression which which is wild because fashion Chinese fashion TikTok is the most stylish place on the internet like slow motion like Chinese streetwear is out of control it's insane yeah, I it, it's I don't know, man. I, listen, it's so interesting to be 
in America where I don't know that, it, like, I mean, our country is very fucked up, but I don't know if they would ever outlaw something because of, like, sissy men. No, it's weird, isn't it, I suppose, because China is, like, having kind of both expanding and becoming, like, will probably end up being the number one global superpower if it isn't already. In yeah, the and they can have my data. Yeah, 100%. Swab my cheek. <laughs> Let me give it to you. <laughs> but it's also like have like this boom is happening in a really short short space of time too so it's like the technology is not really in line with maybe the fabric or the whatever of the culture when culture evolves much slower obviously than technology yeah yeah but tiktok so i mean they've already won yeah they did win with that they did i I don't know. I do think there does need to be something done about stan culture, but I also think it's safer than a lot of the places these kids could be. Mm. And it's always exist. The Beatles had stan culture. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I would feel a lot better knowing my kid was at home, like, you know, sending people sending taylor swift fans death threats <laughs> because they stand jimin or whatever like i'd be fine with that if they stayed off drugs <laughs> i know i know that's terrible but i do come from i think these kids would be shocked man if they saw the internet we grew up on I feel like this every single day, especially when I, I sent you that text about someone who was enraged about the fact that somebody was running a bath <laughs> on TikTok. And I was like, you can be canceled for having a bath now because it's wasteful. And I'm oh, like, is that what day, it, oh, it's wasteful. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like in our day, I feel like the thing that you had to do was be the meanest you possibly could be yes. on the internet. Whereas now it's like you have to be so conscious like the most conscious that it's like it's toxicity it's the same feeling right it's just it's it's geared toward this sort of like relentless empathy which is like empathy for the planet so don't have a bath whereas in in our day it was just be fucking horrible right well it's like toxic empathy right so I was actually talking about this with a friend the other day there's this whole thing going around right now that's sort of fighting back on the sustainable clothing movement Because in reality, when you buy from most quote unquote sustainable brands, you're just paying a little bit more for like basically something that is, you know, if there's not that much more ethical treatment in reality to create a sustainable t-shirt that no one would be able to afford it. Right. Exactly. And it's often very classist. Oh, for sure. And so I think like, in that same way, I think that there's this sort of forgetting that people are doing the best they can do. And, you know, if that means that for someone on shower talk that they take a two hour shower and like hoard, I don't know, there's this body scrub that I guess they don't make anymore. And all the shower girls, there's it's a whole thing, guys, just girls who just love to, you know, have their shower time and scrub themselves down there's just like there's people that hoarded this body scrub and some videos the comments are mostly like i'm so jealous that you have i didn't realize that sugar scrub had that sort of fandom (laughs) i guess there's a stand for everything these days 
I know it made me feel like a crusty bitch thinking about it. (laughs) But ultimately, people really are doing the best they can do. And I think I used to be a lot more judgmental about like fast fashion. For example, I was very judgmental Mm -hmm. if you were someone that always just like went to forever 21 for a new shirt, you know, as as Mm -hmm. opposed to saving for something that was you know, probably possibly made a lot better. That always like annoyed me. And now I think I just have a slightly different opinion on it, which is that people are really just trying to like clothe their body and get around in the world and, you know, feed their family what makes sense for them. There's so much food shaming. It's yeah, it's very it's and it's all like in this. It's all in in. It's just like concern trolling. And I don't know if Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I kind of want to tell people that walk around with so it's like, dude, you're oppressing yourself. Yeah. If if you're worried about someone else taking a bath, like if that's such a far gone concept to you, you're neglecting yourself. Yeah, because baths are amazing. Yeah, I love them. So then there's this new Texas law that I actually, you know what, for the most part, I fuck with this law. Okay, say more about that. So it's this law that bans kicking people off of social media based on viewpoint. And I think that obviously viewpoint, the viewpoint of the user or another person, whether or not that viewpoint is expressed on the social media platform itself. So I think that it's just saying like you can't kick someone off of Facebook because they don't politically align with you or they don't, you know, even Trump. I thought it was fucking weird to like kick him to kick a seated, even though he was so destructive. I was like, why are we establishing this? Because once you set a precedent, people are always going to turn that back on you, which is why I'm super big on not, you know, whenever something, you know, upsetting, very upsetting, but not illegal or whatever happens with some YouTuber. There's always petitions going around to de-platform them. And I'm like, I don't think you understand how serious it is to de-platform a person. Right. Especially when their livelihood is reliant on, you know, whatever that the income that they receive or, or whatever. I'm like, I'm, I'm very much in line with that. Although I, the thing that confuses me about this law is that who's enforcing it and don't then there's a bigger question which is like do these social platforms exist beyond the scope of being like a private company because like I might want to take a shit in a McDonald's but like on the floor but like the business owner who owns that space can tell me not to take a shit on the floor right I mean yes of course like there's a you know a right to your platform I do think like especially the bigger platforms like YouTube, Facebook, like, I mean, in a way, I just feel like when you, they're, they're just what we've seen traditionally. And I already think that there is a huge issue with news being behind paywalls so that people don't have access to it. So they just seek it out wherever they can. And they can always find someone who agrees with them on either side. Or any side, not even two sides. Any side, you can always find someone who agrees with you on the internet for free. And it also is, it just, people will go off and find their own social medias. We saw that with Parler during the whole January 16th, uh, January 6th thing. And I think that 
parlor, you know, was a great way. We all sort of laughed about, oh, haha, like they all got busted on their own little private Facebook. But I, I do think like there is a lot of sort of really unlikable snobbery that the like the left engages in. Mm. And it's taunting to them. It's taunting to the working class American. I, I That's why I really loved Andrew Yang, truthfully. Like, there's like a disease in America between like, you know, the working classes. And it's just, I think at the end of the day, we all sort of agree with a lot of the same stuff. And I love that he tackled like the AI issue. I really, I really enjoyed Andrew Yang. The Yang gang. But that exists, like, that, funnily enough, really exists in this country because, like, in in the way it relates to Brexit. And I think, like, a lot of people were really angry, myself included. Like, I didn't speak to my grandparents for, like, six months after Brexit because I was so angry about the whole thing that I had to have, like, a, I had to have, like, a really tangible focus for my rage. And so, like, because I knew my grandparents had voted out of the European Union, I... I sort of like (laughs) I focused that energy onto them they became symbolic for me of this thing and then obviously like I let it the fuck go there was this like really grotesque like classist snobbery especially around sort of working class voters that actually sat like far more uncomfortably with me and the idea of like having these like very long sort of think pieces about like you know and and regardless of like the thing itself I still you know it was like it was a referendum it wasn't a legal decision what all the, all the rest of this kind of stuff with it like the the grotesqueness around of like well it's stupid people voting and they're stupid so we have to treat them like they're stupid and I, I always felt like that was kind of gross like you can't you can't be that kind of grotesque and classist because it only so, like it just sows wider di- like division and I think the thing that gives me pause about this Texas law is that because we have so many issues with uh, with the sort of politics and the internet and and Facebook has played a major role in like two major events which is like the election of Trump and the and the Brexit thing more so the Brexit thing was a was illegal what happened on Facebook was illegal in this country and because the laws have not caught up to the technology as of yet that we're just in this really awkward cul-de-sac which is like well we don't know how to adequately deal with and and moderate and like like use the platforms most effectively in these situations that will have like a global impact and global importance wait a minute what do you mean you guys don't have facebook because of brexit oh no we still have facebook but there was a there was a huge legal thing you know with cambridge analytica so because the way that the data was gathered that was used by cambridge analytica in order to peddle false information there were certain changes that were made to, you know, how you can advertise on Facebook as a political entity because of this huge kind of legal oh, investigation. Oh, shit. Okay. But wait, was that, I mean, I know we had that here, right? Is yeah, that... I think, yeah, they were tied together because Cambridge <laughs> Analytica had its roots. <laughs> I mean, they were tied together I'm by so Facebook. I'm so fucking dumb. Like, I'm <laughs> sitting here. Truthfully, I just want to ask you what you thought about when Lindsay Lohan tweeted that she was against Brexit and then deleted it. <laughs> I was I was for Lindsay in that moment. And I think it was around about the time when she was doing her fake Greek accent. So she was practically European at that point. Yeah, no, she was totally having a Mykonos moment. It was also around the time she tried to kidnap those refugees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was one of my favorite Lohan eras. <laughs> no, because I watched it live and I literally went over to Twitter and tweeted, did I just watch Lindsay Lohan kidnap two children on Instagram live? Like, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that it happened. And that, you know, it's very rare. It reminded me of the old days when I used to be up and on it all the time with that, that type of news. Okay, so... Okay, that's interesting. So it's basically more so, but how would this directly affect fake? Well, no, it does. It does. Yeah, no, because this keeps on people that spread fake news. I get it. I think we just need better. We need better. Like I am a firm believer in like freedom of speech. Like I, I might find I might find the things that you say absolutely disgusting and horrific, but I don't think it's my place to determine what should be acceptable for you to say, you know, unless you're harming someone or threatening violence, whatever, it's not my place. But like, we just don't have, like we have people in seats of power who just don't have like a good working knowledge. They don't have TikTok, Molly. They don't have these like good working, like examples of like best practice of the internet. So what we have is just like, it's like Zuckerberg sitting in the Senate, like practically giving tech support to like elderly senators. So if I have a Facebook and I log it, you know, it's that. It's like we just don't have proper infrastructure yet built around things that are going to become, continue to be problems and will be even bigger problems. And someone like Andrew Yang talking about AI and all the rest of it is a really good step. But like technology and law are just like out of sync with each other right now, I think. Absolutely. We, I didn't include this in this week's show, but we did talk about this. I did post this on Twitter and a lot of people took interest in it. So I should mention at least that Jordan Cheyenne, that mommy blogger who was just caught doing what we know happens all the time in these situations where she's like making her child cry essentially for a thumbnail. And the kid's like, no, mom, I actually am crying. Yeah, I'm having a moment and I'll include that that clip in our show notes so you guys can see it. But yeah, I feel that way very much around like children in the Internet, yeah. that there's just not the proper laws in place. Like and we have plenty of people that do the research for like how bad the Internet can be for children, like the safety of children. And but yet our law hasn't caught up to it in so many ways. And I- yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's pimping out your kids. It's like back in the day when you would like put your family on the road, you know? Yeah, yeah. We, I feel like we manifested this story into existence because we were texting about how we didn't really mind slash care that Zoella had had a baby, and like briefly touched on like the impact of like parental blogging on the lives of the children that are basically content. And then this story right. popped up, which is like, and you're right, it's it, she wouldn't have been the first person to have been doing this kind of thing, but she just happened to be caught in the act. Oh, yeah. I don't think she, like I don't think she's even the first that this exact thing has happened to. This mm. is just the one right now. Like plenty of family bloggers have left in footage accidentally or, you know, sometimes you catch an, a YouTube video early. And you just watching it and you're like, I don't think that's, I don't think I'm supposed to see that. Uh-huh. Like the lady with her dog, like the, who had the giant dog, the Doberman that she was mm-hmm. like hitting. Mm. Yeah. And if you ever see it in like real time, like you're ex- like seeing it as it's happening, it's the weirdest thing because you're like, I'm early to the news. That's a big running joke on TikTok, which is like, I'll, you know, 
I can't wait till we're in a Netflix documentary because people <laughs> will post things online and you're like witnessing a crime. You're definitely witness something that it seems, especially in this case, at least like CPS should be involved. There was also that it was the week we took off that woman who I believe is a, a Twitch streamer who left her three-year-old child at home to fend for himself <gasps> and the neighbors found him on the lawn naked. And when the police got there, the mom came inside holding like an empty, half empty, half full, I don't know, a bottle of detergent. And the police were like, where were you? She was like, oh, I just was out getting detergent. And they're like in a mini skirt and tank top. And she's like, yeah, I just was getting detergent. And then, of course, the detergent story did not hold up. She was a few miles away at a party drinking all night. But yeah, it's like, you know, you take the average person who's sort of acclimating to fame and money and then throw a child in the mix or incentivize them to mistreat their child. It's it's a yeah, it's a very scary situation. And I really don't think it's much different than like some Joe Jackson shit. Uh-uh. I want to find there was a I've saved it but I need to go back to it because I remember finding this girl on TikTok who was a um she was the child of a mummy blogger. And she was like going to do like a series of videos of like what it's like to grow up as the child of a mummy blogger. I, I saw like, that too. Oh, I would watch it. I would watch a Netflix series about like Shay Carl's children. <laughs> like, Yeah. Or like Deuce. Like I always wonder like what, because like, do you remember Deuce, the mommy blogger? I started, she's like, she was like one of the OG mommy bloggers and I feel like I knew her kids before they were born. And I just wonder, like, you know, as these kids are going to start to come of age with so many, you know, I'm sort of like tortured by the fact that my mom even has pictures of me like when I was like potty training for like her own (laughs) personal album. Like I'm revolted that they exist. I hate it. And that's like a fairly normal photo, right? Like for a family to have not to publicize of course but then like if there was like written descriptions of me you or know, a video being sick or like you know having like a very vulnerable moment that by at least by puberty would be humiliating if not yeah. in the moment yeah I think I remember seeing one of the British family bloggers I don't know if it was I don't think it was Sikoni Jollies who gave me I don't know there's something I really don't enjoy about them but like potty training like their child maybe it wasn't them maybe it's someone else but I remember like being like what the fuck like oh my god you have to grow up in a world where everybody knows that thing and of course like the higher you climb the faster you fall because there was that other British guy who was a kind of a family vlogger and his he was sending uh, messages to underage girls and stuff like that and so like it's such a precarious house of cards, I think. And I know that like in the short term, the benefits are financial, but I can't see how there are many positive long-term effects. No, no, I. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Do love, can I just say as an, a quick aside, that I love... The fact that you basically have a whole different YouTube ecosystem <laughs> than me. Like this will we'll get into this story a little bit later. Tiffany's gonna tell me about something that I'm so excited to find out about. But basically, like YouTube has there's British YouTube and all of their main stars are different. I had never heard of KSI until wow that beef and I had barely only I had only really heard of Logan Paul because his brother was like ripping up West Hollywood so that (laughs) sort of came across my desk first was like West Hollywood's being terrorized by YouTubers but yeah like you guys have a whole different like like Zoella I know her name because she's she's like was especially of that era just one that you would see in any mm. magazine, you know, she was getting mainstream features and press all the time. But I have no idea who she is or what she does. What did she do? Like makeup, makeup reviews? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, she was like, I think that Zoella for us was like, she was our first British like superstar vlogger. And she was she would often do Primark calls. Have you ever have you ever been to a Primark? Oh, I know. But I do know that I, I know about Primark because everyone talks about it because of her yeah she was she was like the og i suppose like prior to that if you were into makeup you would be probably doing you'd be quite a talented makeup person or at least trying to be a talented makeup person whereas zoella was just like the every girl she was just like the girl next door very inoffensive very felt like someone that you might have gone to school with sort of unassuming and again I do think that that is what happens to very successful people on YouTube is that you just you create a canvas from which you can project what you want onto them and she was that right it's interesting because like if she had even like attempted humor she probably would be like automatically classified under comedy the way that (laughs) some are but she's like instead she falls in this sort of gray area that I missed on YouTube um this is something I only hear about was like lifestyle Mm. blogging so she was like a lifestyle blogger right yeah yeah vlogger and it was mostly I think she had like anxiety so it was mostly her in her house and then there was this kind of like wave of other young women who were very similar to her that kind of came up under her, which is like, well, actually, you don't need to be very particularly good at makeup or particularly funny or particularly interesting or be doing anything interesting. You can it, like it's the mundanity of it all. That's the that's the joy. But she did kind of she stopped vlogging really on her main channel a couple of years ago because she just made so much money with her sort of Zoella home and lifestyle products that she's now like, that's, I think she has a oh, second. Oh, right. Yeah. I called her, I said, she's like Lauren Conrad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So, okay. Wait, 
That's so okay. I'm so I'm fascinated by this. I'm fascinated by this. Wow. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to think there's no need for that anymore, right? Like No, I don't think so. People, I think back in the day, like when I was blogging, I would always like tell people naturally what I was using, even if it it was never with the intention that I think like, oh, I'm really good at this. So this is why you would want to know. Mm. I'm like an information sharer. And I think that that's like very that's that's like much more relatable than someone who is. I don't know, I would say like, quote unquote, very good at makeup, because if you look at the full blown like drag makeup that came in style after that, that just really doesn't look good on mm, your average I person. I think that. like that's why I look at for makeup or anything like that. I always look at women who are dead ass like in their 50s mm. and do makeup because they know how to like where to apply makeup that if you are not. 22 years old you won't look like a clown okay can I put you onto something because like as soon as we shared we we have different YouTube ecosystems I have to share something with you there are these twins I don't know if you've heard of them they're called the Welsh twins they are British YouTubers one of them is a he worked for it as a professional makeup artist for many years and the other twin is like a skincare enthusiast and he's like, so I actually worked with him a few years ago when I was shooting a campaign for a large multinational brand. And he was one of the creators that was in it. He was not only like the nicest creator I've ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot of creators. He was the like one of the nicest people I've ever worked with. He was like the nicest, chillest guy. He does like skincare stuff. He like can't be bought or bargained with. Like he's very, very honest. And he's like, he's very honest about the fact he's not an expert. Anyway, the Welsh twins. I've been watching them because they've got a channel together now where they basically just like hang out on a Sunday and like do dumb shit um, and kind of do makeup and, and shit on each other. And it's kind of, it's really funny. And it is like my last two serotonin molecules just getting clanged together every time I watch them. It's like, oh, it's just so pure. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love, I do think that there's a little bit of a disease in that ecosystem of people feeling like they need to act like an expert or they, like I think skincare by Hiram has gotten a lot of shit for that. He's like a very popular American skin influencer. A lot of people thought he was like, a dermatologist essentially but I think he really just more had a background of of being like a skincare enthusiast and working at like uh skincare counters right in malls or something and I understand what it's like to have like a teacher's personality that makes you know I totally understand for some people the best way to communicate is like in a teaching way Mm. but I it's so much better to watch people that are not trying to act like they really they're the expert you know because most of these people especially gurus don't have technical training you mm-hmm. know like it's just they're not in a I don't know I don't know okay wait do will you please tell me about this cottagecore situation absolutely so I how much do you watch any cottagecore content I don't watch cottagecore content. No, I don't watch like vloggers. I know what cottagecore is. It's basically just for anyone who doesn't know cottagecore. Let's look it up by definition. Let's go to good old urban dictionary. Unless you have one. Um, I don't have one. I'd be interested to know what the uh, internet's definition is. Because I've referenced it before. I mean, cottagecore is essentially like the aesthetic of Taylor Swift's 
folklore album that was considered (laughs) to be sort of a very much I know it's also very aligned with like the queer community like Mm. there's a subset of like lesbian cottage core people I do know that from TikTok yeah let me see so cottage core is someone whose style slash aesthetic is like snow whites you love to pick flowers and stroll through quiet meadows and baking treats and wearing blousey dresses and shirts you're very kind-hearted and you're super sweet there's also this other definition which seems more straightforward an aesthetic depicting slash revolving around a romanticized life in nature, very serene and calming vibes, includes flowers, frogs, flowy dresses, cottages, fairies, and more things of that ilk. So an example in a sentence, this tea set is so cottagecore. <laughs> it would be very cottagecore if we got matching frog earrings. So that's, I mean, yeah, you know, you know the vibe, right? Yeah, it's very like return to the Great Plains or like returning to the land to this like romanticized idea of the simple life. My favorite, I don't watch, I don't watch a lot of cottagecore content. I do get it served to me quite a lot and occasionally I'll kind of indulge it. Like there is one, one person that I watch and I don't know if it'd be defined as cottagecore, maybe like rural core, but um, that Chinese blogger Liziki who does like making a bamboo bed from scratch and it's like 20 minutes, no talking, just the sound of her like cutting down bamboo and like weaving stuff together. So it's this very like romantic idea that like we're all gonna, you know, it's probably better for us to sort of return to the land and this sort of subset of blogging tends to be quite, 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 um, quite white and quite romanticized and it sort of sits adjacent to people who go and live in their vans and, and whatever and monetize content around that. This week I was on Twitter and I saw a post from Molly Lambert, who is excellent on Twitter. We uh, love she, Molly Lambie. She's so good. She's so good. Old friend. Uh, love her. We we stand Molly's on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Molly's Twitter thread. Of course, she Molly always goes big. Okay, so do you want to run us through it? Yeah, so she said, last night I found out that all the big cottagecore YouTubers live in tiny houses that their rich parents built for them in the backyards of their property. And there's another tweet that says, one of them says she moved into a farm to do slow living, but it's literally just a vacation house her parents own. Lameo. So there are a couple of major players who I think that she's referring to because she doesn't, she doesn't call them out by name in the thread, but there are... Uh, she links a video down below of one of them called the Cottage Fairy. So there's two like major ones to know. There's the Cottage Fairy and there's this woman called Isabel Page. Both of them do these like very beautiful videos of them in the wilderness, often not with much talking, sort of very sort of soft, gentle, close mic voiceovers of them baking pies and selling stuff at the farmer's market. And they're both doing really well on YouTube. Like they've got like maybe over half a million subscribers each and seem to be doing a kind of seem to be doing quite well there's like a contradiction in terms here because they're promoting and sort of living this off-grid lifestyle but also (laughs) they're also clearly very much on the grid because they're filming and uploading content really regularly so there's a bit of a contradiction in terms (laughs) I mean listen this is like much like the van life movement to me this feels very much like this sort of larping of homelessness or I guess just it's like it costs a lot of money to be a minimalist honestly it costs a lot (laughs) of money to like you know 
let's be real like being barefoot in the woods sounds a certain way like it sounds really lovely but also if you just think about it for a second you're fucking barefoot in the woods like of course you want the safety of your mom and dad's house to go back to um the problem with romanticizing these lifestyles is that you really do see it happen i mean this was like to me, the Galen Road call, that was one of the first episodes that we did. I think it was like episode four. That cult basically just was promoting the idea of community living, which is very like, ooh, like that sounds so like nice and like, mm-hmm. you know, just so cozy. And I work in my garden and I don't worry about anything. And at night we have dinner and drink. And it's like, yeah, but you're also like kind of working as a slave for these people and like good luck getting out, you know? So I see things like this, these lifestyle movements happen. And I'm like, this is so ripe for a grift, you know, like which guy's daughter is going to get motivated enough to put a bunch of these cottages on the same piece of land that her dad owns and charge girls out the ass for a lifestyle that they see online. That's unattainable, seems unattainable because it is in the way that they live. It totally is. Like, I think the the main gripe, because I listen to, so Molly does a little 20 minute, like free form podcast broadcast on her Patreon about this. And I think the problem that people have is that some some people on, you know, various sort of YouTube forums, forums have done some digging and discovered that the land that these two women in particular are living on belongs to their parents. And it is, you know, one of them does literally live in their parents' vacation home which is fine, which is absolutely fine. But I think like the selling of this idea that like this return to simplicity is simple is not true. Like it just isn't. And it's not really financially viable for many people. And I, you know, I think often how lovely it would be to have a small holding and live off the land and grow my own tomatoes. And then I realized that I can't keep a fucking houseplant alive. So like, who the like, who do I think I am? Like, it's never going to happen. Right. And also, like, you can move anywhere you want and you're not going to change fundamentally who you are. And so buying into a lifestyle is always a mess. This is, you know, one of my more radical theories. But I do think that if you're going to start a Twitter account, a YouTube account, anything like that, you are should be required to post your parents' tax in, in like tax <laughs> returns, their income reports in your bio. Because okay. if you are starting at an advantage, everyone needs to know. Mm-hmm. I felt so gaslit, like just trying to like in the rat race of Hollywood, I was constantly feeling like, how am I doing even more work than some of these people I see who rent homes? Like, how are they renting a house? And I never, because I had never experienced having money like that or even like, you know, my parent, my mom and my stepdad didn't let me live like that. They didn't let me have that. So I, it never occurred to me that people would rent their kids a house so that they could chase their dreams in LA. It never occurred to me. Mm -mm. And as soon as I started making money, I was like appalled. I was like, this I feel like this is a dirty secret y'all have been keeping from me. I had no fucking idea your parents pay for your life. But like with these cottagecore folk, like of of course they do, because (laughs) if you've ever done a sort of like, as I would do occasionally, little deep dive after a bad work week, 
look into like going to the woods and then I look into what buying land would cost and then building a thing realizing that like I'm too lazy to do any of that and then thinking about like irrigation and sewage and (laughs) well so that's always the rub right and I know that because I live in like as much nature as you could probably live in in like Los Angeles honestly I have like a decent amount of woods around me and you know, the price of paying for solitude is all of everything it takes to run a house. Yeah. Being somehow being done. That's a, that's a huge deal. Pipes are crazy. Like it's not ideal to live in the woods, you know, the, the <laughs> roots grow in pipes, you know, it's actually, it's a lot of, it's very, there's a price to everything. Like I really have thought about it more and more and I feel like city living as as crazy as it is it's like makes so much more economic sense for so many people yeah because you've got uber and you don't end up becoming like the unabomber going absolutely stir crazy building little bombs out of wood so you sent me I have to say guru gossiper so this is a a website it's like a message board where people can come and talk shit about anyone and anything it's very and mean <laughs> it's very it's very mean. very mean yeah. actually guru gossiper like changed me as a person like I started to really feel I don't know I think I don't know if I told you this but like I found out about guru gossiper and I found I found that there I saw that there was one for Jenna Marbles, who I consider to be like the least offensive person on the Internet. Oh, like, yeah. And like also very much missed. Like it was crazy how I, you know, I went back and checked on the haters when she left YouTube and like every single one of them was devastated. So don't ever forget truly that your haters are your biggest fans. But I I could not. I was so like devastated by some of these things that people were reading into and saying about this person who like at the end of the day if you don't like what someone's wearing or if you don't like you know something they say or whatever if they're like a, a genuinely good person like how could you how could you hate on that I don't understand it but yeah she's yeah, an angel at the internet truly there are yeah, that like I was really like fucked up about it. I was like, oh, people really will. Like, if as soon as as soon as you have more than a thousand followers, there's probably already someone talking shit about you on some corner of the internet. So right. you sent me this guru gossiper thing, which is about off-the-grid rural YouTubers. Cause none of these that typically means that none of these people are like big enough to have their own thread, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just need to tell you a quick guru gossiper confession really quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> which I is that this. when I used to work a lot with creators and like filming with them and stuff if I met a creator that I didn't get along with like on the day of filming or something and like <laughs> I didn't have an outlet for how I felt I would just go on Guru Gossiper and search them up and read all the horrible things so that I would feel validated in my like dislike of someone. It was very toxic behavior and I don't do that anymore because I don't work with creators in the same way anymore. But Well, it's like the reverse <laughs> emotional cutting, right? Like this yeah. is here for you the way that it's not here for them. Because like everyone wants to be validated and listen, 
I will say, do you not feel ever if you've read something on this website or one like it and then you meet that person in real life, do you not feel like they're seeing you naked or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I'm like, oh my God. First of all, I, I always think that things become so much less intense as soon as you see someone in real life because you're like, oh, they're like very much 3D. But it's it's so it's so embarrassing to like have read terrible stuff about a person and just be interacting. I, it just makes you feel like a liar. And, and you're just thinking, <laughs> I didn't even agree with all of them. I just want you to know. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't look into but my soul. Is there is there one particular or a couple particular guru gossiper pieces that stood out to you? I mean, not really. But what I would say is that the sentiment is that this seems to be that there isn't there isn't really enough I think this is a developing story Mills, and I'll tell you for why I think like there isn't enough sort of real bitterness here one thing that was pulled out that I do want to get onto is someone who found one of these young women and, and basically dogs them in, in one of the most creepy blog posts I've ever read but I think that like in these unprecedented times more and more people are like re-examining like their work-life balance right and more and more people are looking at how we're, how we're going to continue to like work and live moving forward and leaving their shit jobs and like kind of hoping for something better. I think like, I think we're at the beginning of the cottage core candle. If I was to read a stock chart, uh, like I think I'm we're at the so beginning of this candle. This. I've always wanted to, so an original idea that I had when I was sort of coming up with this podcast was the idea of doing a game where we buy five, like we buy stock in like five things mm -hmm. like you could pick anything from cottage core in general to this one particular blogger right and you can only have five in your rotation at each time but it's like who are we metaphorically buying stock in like who's because that's for me and I think for you as well a little bit of a trend forecaster over here. Hell I yeah. feel like I always know who's gonna blow up or what's gonna be the next big thing right and we should start to make that competitive. I don't know how, but I'm I'm into I'm into a little healthy competition. Maybe we'll figure out a way to uh, run that sort of thing. But I love the idea of you yes. buying in yeah. early on Cottage Core. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on it. Well, Tiffany, it wouldn't be an episode of Trend Lightly if we didn't get to talk about my boy LP. <laughs> He's in the UK at the moment. I saw he was trending in the UK. He's in the UK. I don't know why. He's in the UK. Oh, man, that is sad, actually, that like just his mere presence in the UK is trending. That probably happens to you guys a lot. <laughs> if somebody comes to our quaint little island, we do like to uh, make it be known. <laughs> no, honestly, like having my Twitter timeline like inundated by celebrities trending because they came to my area is the equivalent of Obama traffic in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's that annoying. I can't imagine. I'm sorry that happens to you. Listen, you. America does need to back down in that sense. So Logan Paul has a podcast called Impulsive, which is hosted by co-hosted by this guy named Mike, who was a social media manager for Love Sack, who preyed upon Logan Paul in his darkest hour. <laughs> really no, did. I don't really, I don't really know the story, but like that's what it seems like to me. This guy Mike is his co-host, and I'm just telling you that for when you hear his voice in this clip. But 
a young YouTuber that I appreciate. I, I appreciate him because I, you know, we talk about it a lot on here. I'm a Capricorn. I love to see people making moves. It makes me so happy, especially anyone out there who's listening right now who invested in quote unquote new media 10 years ago. This is the story for you. Okay. This is what they were talking about when they said the internet could be a big thing because Mr. Beast is recreating a classic model for business and international sort of business by using the classic, you know, exporting Raymond type technology. Mm. He is basically Mm. taking his IP and putting it into as many different languages as possible. And because he has such watchable videos, they are something that you could put on. I mean, would you want to watch this with your grandma? No, but they're clean. They're family friendly. He has this group in North Carolina where he grew up, just his boys that he records with. It's very obvious that he has gotten the memo on all of the things that when we see YouTubers fail or maybe grow a little bit too big, we hope that they realize what Mr. Beast knows, which is that if you come up with a, as a YouTuber, you can have that job for the rest of your life if you figure out the right way to do it. And mm. he is the prototype for someone who wanted to be a YouTuber so badly that there was no option for failure and that he would do whatever it took, including listening to It's Everyday Bro by Jake Paul for 24 (laughs) hours straight, which was a huge internet stunt. And he was brilliant for it because that is part, you know, that is how Mr. Beast blew up when he said Logan Paul a hundred thousand times. That was a net that took him like over eight hours or I think, no, I think he said Logan Paul for 24 hours straight or something like that. He started videos basically on just, I'm going to do the biggest and the best in terms of the numbers game. And he spends, did he say, I think he says in this interview, he spends about $4 million a month making his content. No, more than that. Because he gives away millions of dollars. He does. Um, He gave away $100 million so far this year. Yeah, I was. uh... And all of his money goes right back into his content machine where he makes videos with the same guys in the same location where they can buy warehouses for cheap. He's not making the same mistakes of moving to L.A., trying to get a TV show. He never wants to do anything but YouTube. And to me, that's the kind of on the heels of the Charlie D'Amelio thing that we were talking about last week, you know, a lot of kids who want to be famous online, it winds up looking like that. Right. But Mr. Beast came at it where, I mean, this guy doesn't wear fancy clothes. He doesn't, he's, is there a word for that? I mean, you're much more involved in the YouTube world. Is there a word for this vein of influencer? Like I would say Roman Atwood is similar where he just like keeps expanding his life locally. He's slaying in his lane, right? Like he's just, he knows exactly what, where he is at and he's just like making the very best of, of the, of the platform that he's on and reinvesting into it. He's yeah, he's slaying in his lane. 
Like, so let me like go to Mr. Beast's YouTube channel just to give you an idea of the numbers his more recent videos are doing. And I, Mr. Beast doesn't have to buy views. He also has Beast Burger, which is you've probably noticed if you've <laughs> opened up your Postmates. He has this burger thing that's in ghost kitchens, essentially, but it's blown up for him. And they are trying to have a physical Beast Burger store in as many cities as possible. And he's so smart because he just, you know, he says, like, make sure you order through the Beast Burger app because that's where we, you know, see where your orders are from. And, you know, he's so good at communicating so many little things. But let's just let's go over some of his more recent views. So extreme five hundred thousand dollar game of tag went up one week ago it has 34 million views last to leave the circle which is essentially like a hands on a hard body type challenge where you know everyone you're just in a circle wins five hundred thousand dollars has 46 million views i got hunted by the fbi 46 million views i assume that means that he was put in some sort of simulation or scenario most of his videos fall at about like 40, you know, about about the 42 million range until you get to about two months ago. I survived 50 hours in a maximum security prison, 58 million views. The biggest video in recent history is I spent 50 hours buried alive, 125 million views. That was only five months ago. Do you know what's wild is that the usually with a, a, a YouTuber that has a, a subscriber base of what like he, that much. So he's got 69 million subscribers, which is I'm just looking population of the world. That's more than the United Kingdom population, which is 67 million. FYI. So every as if everyone in the UK was watching. But like it seems like his viewers are consistently tuning in. Right. Because usually you'd see like quite a significant drop off from like view to subscriber ratio. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. Like a. A, an inordinate amount of views well he's come. perfect trending bait you know where it's like it has you know for the youtube trending page which is like hand selected essentially like you know it's family friendly it's clean he doesn't swear mm-hmm. you know they're all things that again you could show this to anyone this is totally something that's like thrives in the algorithm mr beast's genius is also not doing any more than he needs to do. So he really does spend a lot of his time, and he's not shy about saying this, on the titles and on the thumbnails because that's that's the thing that's going to get customers in the door. And he right. doesn't – I can tell he doesn't break his back filming. It seems like they film exactly what they need to. They don't do any more. He doesn't even have the best camera presence, if I'm being honest. He's just very good at – figuring out how to game the algorithm. So Mm -hmm. he also has a bunch of other channels and I'm going to play this. We're going to play this clip, but he also has Mr. Beast gaming, Mr. Beast philanthropy. He has like a bunch of other side channels. Let me see. Mr. Beast gaming, Mr. Beast reacts, Mr. Beast shorts, Mr. Beast two. And every single one of these accounts has like a minimum of 3.8 million, but Mr. Right. Beast Gaming has 21.5. This guy's everywhere. So he um, announced or he shared with Logan Paul that he's already sort of putting, he's already sending out these videos to this, like if you have the Spanish setting on your on your YouTube, you're going to get a Mr. Beast video dubbed over in Spanish. So let's uh, play this clip now. 
Dude, your videos are getting. I, I was looking. I was scrolling at your channel the other day. I'm like, this is bro. Disgusting. These are getting more Disgusting. views than the Super Bowl. Yeah, Every yeah. video. Every yeah. single one. It, we're doing like 50 plus a video now. That's insane. Yeah, and then gaming and reacts are both doing 10 million a video. So I, it's just like, and philanthropy's doing almost 10 a video. Gaming now. reacts philanthropy, philanthropy, and yeah. now you have a Spanish channel yeah. and, Russian. A, and a Russian. Yeah. Russian yep. Well, we're too. gonna do t uh, the top 10 languages, which that's a fun thing to talk about. So we started uh, dubbing. You can overplay clips. I don't care. Uh, our videos in Espanol. <laughs> can we just note? So he says you can. Put them over here. I don't care. So he's basically in real time giving permission to Logan and Mike to he won't copyright strike them if they play clips right. like this is. And that's something that, you know, certain certain YouTubers of a certain caliber will call that out in the moment. But the way he just inserted that there, like really like Logan and Mike appreciated that very much. I don't know where Mike gets off appreciating anything. Like he doesn't he doesn't even have a seat at the table as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, if we can we can get back into it if you want. Unless you have anything to say about that. I've got a lot to say about Mike, but no, I think it's he's obviously very clued up. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so you hire a voice at over actor to play yeah. your friend's voice. Well, I hired some, uh, we actually got some celebrities in Mexico. They're oh, like, oh that, sick. Yeah, that like play in some big movies. I didn't recognize any of them, but sometimes on our Spanish channel, people would be like, is that uh, Jose oh, from oh, so and so? Cool. Oh. Yeah, so it like it, it adds a, a level. It's yeah. almost like if uh, you did dubs here and you had like Tom Holland and people like that, do your dubs? Sick. People are interesting more interesting. <laughs> so I'm paying like crazy money for these dubs, but it's like working so well. Sick. Um, and so, yeah, we just launched it. The first month it did 50 million views and we didn't really have to promote so it or smart. anything. Yeah, and people are loving it. Like the watch time's great and the audience is good. And, and so my main channel is 60% American and like whatever, the UK is mm. like 10, 15%. I mean, that's, did you notice at the beginning when he said Russian? Mm. And he looks so excited about it. You know, it's because Mr. Beast is like the biggest PewDiePie stan, who is like the biggest YouTuber of all time. Mr. Yeah. Beast has always said he never wants to surpass PewDiePie in subscribers. But the thing that brought down PewDiePie was YouTube. Was it? No, was it India? It was India that brought down PewDiePie, right? Because they brought on um, T-Series. Yes! Oh my god, yes. I just had to unlock a memory in my brain. Yes. So the other's really smart advantage to you know bringing your content to as many countries as possible is that like when a new country gets YouTube, which like it's crazy to think there's countries without YouTube, they are a whole new influence on the way that the whole website works. So this guy PewDiePie who I think is like a Swedish gamer. He's like the number one subscribed guy on YouTube for over a decade. And he was eclipsed by this little clips channel that was put together by some company called T-Series as soon as India got YouTube. And it was a huge battle. And Mr. Beast fought very hard. He bought Super Bowl tickets to say subscribe that so he and his friends could wear Oh, t-shirts yeah. that said sub to pewdiepie uh on them and he like got it you know it was like advertising on the super bowl he would do things where he like would give someone a thousand dollars if they were subscribed to pewdiepie on their phone and he ran into them so it was always just this like incentive and i think every twitch streamer or probably especially every person and at a certain age in america is one 
like prepared for what to happen if Mr. Beast comes into your Twitch stream because he went huge for that, giving like $50,000 to Twitch yeah. streamers. Yeah. To like, yeah, you're probably sub to PewDiePie because God forbid you're 15 years old and you run into Mr. Beast and aren't sub to him. <laughs> yes, I think if you're a 15 year old boy of a certain era, you it's it comes in your YouTube starter pack. But I think he saw the power in that. And, you know, it's always been smart to just like take your great IP and to, and to bring it to other countries to have it adapted or whatever. Also hiring famous actors. Yeah, like the most like the most famous people in Mexico doing sort of the dubbing for Mr. Beast videos is a genius, like a stroke of genius. And it's 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 crazy, too, because like, you know, that the it's not it, the unions are different, right? So, like, he's probably doing this fairly inexpensively by his standards. Not like if he, I mean, he probably probably could afford to have Ryan Reynolds dub all of his videos. But, like, this yeah. that's, like, the biggest movie star in all of Mexico. Like, that's, you know, people I don't think realize, like, how much, how many eyes are on that. Okay, right. picking back up here at 16, 17. But on my Espanol channel, it's 1% American. It's literally a whole new audience. No way. Yeah. And so these are people like, I'm literally number one trending uh, in Mexico with videos that I uploaded two years ago. It's so crazy because <laughs> Nuts, dude. Yeah. W w when, when, you know, just like observing the space, I always thought, uh, whether it's my content, content, whether it's your content, we're putting so much time and effort into these videos. Yep. And yet at the end of the day, there's only a certain part of the world can understand them simply because of their language. And I always knew I'm like, there's going to be one of us who's not that lazy and is, has the foresight to actually translate these to the specific language. And yeah. it's going to pay off dividends. It's been huge. Cause we're doing like 4 million views a video on all re-uploaded videos. And I think like the Bear to Live video did exactly. It's it's, it's it's content you've already you've already made. Well, so now imagine that's Espanol. Now imagine if we're doing it in Russian, Hindi, Japanese, German, Portuguese, Indonesian. Dude, you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be the biggest star on the planet. Like, it's, like it's literally, you're gonna be the world's biggest digital star. Yeah, because like America's not even YouTube's number one audience. It's India. There's more people that watch YouTube on a monthly basis in India than in America, and like they don't even have a way to watch our videos. Like, so if I start doing my videos in Hindi and they're like top three languages, like that's literally. Like I'm actually reaching what I should be reaching yeah. in my videos. Yeah. Do you think you're always gonna stay uh, uh, family friendly, clean content? Personally, I don't mind. It's not one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm selling my soul. Like, I mean, like just curse, not cursing, isn't really the end of the world. Yeah, me. I yeah. feel you. You're you're also like I, I think who you are is 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 that of like a like a like a, a friendly fun. Exactly. Guy, you know, yeah. like you're not a degenerate like like myself. When it comes to gambling, yes, but uh, Mr. Beast is a little gambler. Mm. I think that what Logan said there, you know, another great point from my my man, Mr. Logan Paul, it's it's Mr. Beast puts the effort in like yeah. he really puts the effort in in a in a way that. OK, so I feel I felt very similarly about David Dobrik that I did the way that way about Mr. Beast, right? Where I thought that he had such like he did such a good job of creating a brand that did very well on YouTube. But when you you know pulled back some of the you know cloth there, pulled back the curtain, it was very obvious that he was running a deeply unprofessional environment. 
Um, And with Mr. Beast, he's, I, I mean, I don't think he's, he runs a very clean show. I mean, the man has IBS. I don't think he has a drinking problem. <laughs> you know, like I don't I think he actually is he's the guy that's like sending emails. They go on to say that, you know, he's someone who goes for like an hour long walk every night and every night he'd be out on a walk and he would pick up his phone and call you know, he would try Logan or Mike or Gary V or like some other important Casey Neistat. Like he just pulls out these things and sees who who can talk to him for an hour. So he's constantly working on that sort of staying power. Another another thing that I thought was so key that I think a lot of people will gloss over is that in like basically dubbing over all of these videos in different languages, he continues to earn income off of uh-huh. things he's already done which is yeah. which is huge because a lot of like a lot of YouTubers I don't think like continue to market that old material they don't and there's the the interesting thing about Mr Beast and I would expect probably the next generation of creators to to benefit from is that you know relatively YouTube isn't is even though it's over 10 years old is still new in the in the sort of like the timeline of human history and entertainment youtube is a tiny little blip on that and so people who make a really decent living on youtube don't have like you know when they first started out didn't have a whole lot of source material to work with and they didn't have they had to learn those lessons themselves and find out where the where the pinch points were or whatever and someone like mr beast who's grown up watching youtube like it being a very native force in his life is able to like stand on the shoulders of of giants and be able to use that to his advantage. And I think it's a really interesting point about repurposing that content. Um, It's very smart, you know, going into other territories, hugely smart. But also one of the other things that we see time and time and time again with large creators is burnout, like creative burnout. The idea that like when you do this for a living, you really do have to create a, a, a huge amount of content and yes. you have to be on and that is often a thing that 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 is that is the hard stop for many creators who suddenly have to slam the brakes on because they have you know kind of been blood sweat and tears for years and years and years like growing an audience growing a channel once you grow the audience well then you have to maintain the audience and you have to grow with the audience like if you are to survive and to continue to live in, in a lifestyle to which you've become accustomed like you have to do that and so like very smart move by him for a multitude of reasons i totally you're so right about the burnout and and it it does seem i'm looking up his astrological sign he's a taurus i fucking knew he was going to be a taurus i'm a taurus we're taurians together (laughs) so he figured out like this is such a great taurus thing right because this is he figured out systems and he knows he mentions that also in this interview i i walked away from this interview being like mr beast while we always talk about logan paul being president i really do think that mr beast could be like a jimmy carter-esque figure Mm. for this country because he's very much like he seems presidential he's very humble he gets it but like it's he seems presidential in that way do you know what i mean but like in a nerdy way he doesn't that that's the interesting thing about jimmy mr beast is that he's very low key and so he figured he tourist it and this is why tauruses stand to have the high highest earning potential out of any zodiac sign it's because he depersonalized the process where i feel like with david dobrik that kid was 
you know, at a certain point, if he wasn't giving a car away or surprising someone with a celebrity, he didn't have a video. But with Mr. Beast, he works with a very, like, again, a tight-knit group of people, and he has certain like different tiers so it's like he maybe he'll up the money and do the same challenge or maybe he'll bring the money lower and do a new challenge though or like it's always like little things he changes and it feels like he's almost very much depersonalized the content yeah and so it's just about at that point it's just about creating systems it's like I I mean it's brilliant it's brilliant and he has the team who can execute it it's not personal probably takes a lot to make these videos but he's also working on a better schedule for longevity I think the way that he talks about how he formulates his ideas and when he says he doesn't like to complain I believe him like I feel like he's so grateful to be doing this yeah agreed god bless Mr. Beast okay well you guys I think that's gonna be fucking it for Trend Lightly dog uh that's all we have Tiffany um thank you for bringing us the cottage core story we're gonna stay on that mystery (laughs) yes that and the mysteries of glendale will go into our mystery vault and we will continue to investigate like the bensons and stablers that we are yes you guys thank you so much for listening please make sure to go follow tiffany on all of her social media that she's private on we're gonna work on that tiffany i do feel like you need like a one public facing twitter or something and you can even use a fake name you can use julie taylor the name of my yelp (gasps) review lady Okay. Who's thank you. really the daughter from Friday Night Lights. Okay. So follow Tiffany. Please make sure you rate and review us. Leave lots of amazing compliments about that new soundtrack, the new title song in your in in your reviews. All sorts of stuff like that. I don't know what I'm saying. You guys have a good week. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. That look like a Delta G Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left, Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the ceiling, now I watch it hit the floor Now rack it up, huh? rack, rack, rack it up, king, back it up huh? Back, back, back it up, king, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up, she said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin, Best believe that she on the Thought way. She was important, but I moved her right about the I'm way. Delta G's tonight. Told her, baby, I got G's tonight. Get the scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC. Low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like they tell her. Shout out TurboTax, tax refund. What's another bag of quarterback and recess? Have you ever watched a futuristic sci fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. 
New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.